And I am glad for that, and I appreciate that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we're not just a neighborhood church. We have people coming from all over, and that's great. Uh, but that's why it's so important to connect in life care or in monthly prayer or just outside with the people that, that you are getting to know and stand with and stand for in this body of believers. Amen? Well, God is so good, isn't he? Well, those of you that don't know it, hang around because you'll find out God is good all the time. And we've been, we've been learning about how God was so good to Israel. You know, Israel is, is a very, it's very easy to see ourselves in Israel. They were, they were in bondage in Egypt, which is a type of sin. And uh, they, were, they were just being treated terribly because that's what sin does in our life. Sin promises everything. The Bible says there's pleasure for a season in sin. But what sin eventually produces in our life is what? Anybody know? That's right, death. And, and so there's this initial, gosh, you know, this is, this is really pleasurable, but it pays off in such pain and destruction and loss that uh, we, we, we don't look at the end from the beginning. But do you know that God... The scriptures say God calls the end, speaks the end from the beginning. That before things exist, he's already proclaiming what is going to happen. And, and it does happen because God's not a man that he can lie, and his word won't, won't return void to him. And so when, when we, we see Israel, they come out of Egypt, and God miraculously delivers them. Nothing of their own doing. It wasn't like they picked up... Uh, uh, swords and, and battled their way through to get out. God opened the way, just like God opens the way for us through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. He paid the price for our sin. All we have to do is choose to acknowledge what he's done and follow him. When we acknowledge Jesus and receive him as our Lord, that's the beginning of us walking this out as Christians, as Christ followers. And, you know, today there are many people that call themselves Christians, but you wouldn't know it by what God tells us we'll know them by, which is what? Fruit. Their fruit is not evident. You don't see the character of Christ. There's not a Christ-likeness. Now, in all of us, there's a growing, a growing aspect and a process of being more Christ-like. None of us have arrived, but that's where people should be able to look at our lives and see the characteristics of our King. The peace and the love and the joy and the patience and the kindness, the gentleness, the generosity, the faithfulness, uh, the self-control, all of those things ought to be more and more evident. And in e Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they went into the desert. Now, the desert was there for a purpose. The purpose was that they would see in a, the most hostile environment that life, human life couldn't continue in for any length of time, God could sustain them. And he did. He gave them water. He gave them food, food that they had never seen before, the manna. And then when they wanted meat, he gave them meat. But through all of this, they complained. Do you believe that? They're out of Egypt, out from under the rule of these brutal Egyptians that had them in manual labor in the hot sun and beating them all the time. And now they're out, they're free, God's providing for them, and they're complaining to God that they don't have all the stuff that they want, and they want to go back. 
Anybody relate to that besides me? There are times that I, as crazy as it sounds, thinks about, you know, I used to think about, I don't anymore, but I used to think about early on in my Christian walk, you know, I, 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 I want to go back to that. It seemed like there was more, and there isn't. That's just a deception, and the enemy always operates in this deception. Where there's deception, there is loss. There's loss. When we're deceived, it's the opportunity for the enemy to operate in that realm of deception to steal, kill, and destroy. And so they were, they were being deceived and being robbed of the opportunity to see this just miraculous process and provision that God had for them, bringing them to the promised land. But because they didn't believe and because they continued to doubt and complain and murmur, they took enough laps around the desert to last them 40 years, where it should have been no more than, than four or eight weeks. It wasn't God's doing. It was their choice. And many times we make things more difficult on ourselves because we won't let go of some stuff that needs to be let go of in our lives. We are not willing to just be aware of the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the generosity of God, the kindness of God. And all of a sudden, our lives seem like, oh my gosh, this is so difficult. If my life as a Christian is this difficult, how, how difficult would it be for an unsaved person? And yet, the Bible tells us that when we're walking with the Lord, difficulties will come. But in the midst of every difficulty, there's a grace that he gives. There's a provision and a power that he gives for us to be able to overcome it so that in all things we are overwhelmingly, in all things we are overwhelmingly, in all things we are overwhelmingly more than conquerors. Just let that settle in. Whatever it is you laid down at, at the, the throne of God today, God has already prepared for you to be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in that. But it's going to take him. It's going to take him. And, and so Israel would get into sin and then they'd become overruled by their enemies and taken in captivity. And we are looking at a portion of Scripture in Ezekiel because this was a time in the history of Israel that they had gone into sin they had been taken captive by Babylon. And it's just like us. When we go into sin, sin begins to take control of our lives. And, and sin is a terrible master because it brings only death. And, and so death was coming to the Israelites. They were, they were under this bondage. They, were, again, were experiencing terrible situations. And, and so much so, it was such a difficult and dark time that... Um, in the portion of Scripture that we're reading in Ezekiel chapter 37, it says in verse 11 that they had lost all hope. And they viewed their nation as not being able to survive. Now, that's, that's pretty bad. Pretty dark times. Pretty difficult times. And we've been learning about this, but I have to tell you, this past week, I have been really struggling. Because... As I've shared with you, if you've been around here for a while, uh, there are places I think we're going to go and I want to go, and, and there are times where God just will not let me go there. And many times it starts out as a little 
uneasiness about going on to the next parts of what we naturally would go to in the chapter. Um, because I, I, <laughs> I know sometimes I've heard that people don't understand why I repeat and why I go over a number of things, but there is a reason for that. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The motor of learning, the engine of learning is repetition. If you go and back and remember what your school was like, they had to repeat a lot of things. And so we always want new, but sometimes we have to revisit things because it's not just about knowing something. There's a real danger in just knowing things. The Bible tells us if we're hearers of the word and not doers in James, we deceive ourselves. And sometimes we can speak it out, but when we know it, there is a transformation that happens because it becomes applied to our lives. It becomes involved in how we live and what we do and how we view things. And so at times I, I just am aware that as far as I know, we need to go back and just review, just remind, just remind, just re reinforce what we already know. And as I was preparing for this week, the beginning of the week, I became very uncomfortable with preparing to go on. And yet, I didn't want to repeat. And the Lord began to make it very clear to me of something that I had not seen and wasn't really considering that is so important for us because without it, we have no foundation. And whether you know it or not, if you build anything without a foundation, it is not going to last. And so this week as I was, I was uncomfortable and struggling and, and I, I guess I was wrestling with God, I finally gave up because I wasn't making any progress. And, and I said, all right, Lord, I don't know what it is you want, but please help me see this. And the Lord made something very clear to me that I feel is something not only he needed to make clear to me because I needed to be aware of this, but needed to be made clear to us. And so today we're going we're gonna to repeat and we're going to try and make some progress if we, we can get through some of this stuff. But it's important that we get what God has for us today. So please, I'm asking you to be open-minded be teachable, be willing to receive what God wants to deliver to us because we need it. Amen? Amen. So with that, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Lord, we came with an expectation. We expect to have the opportunity to freely and fully praise you and worship you and love you and adore you. But we also expected to be taught of you, to learn of you, to become more like you, to be prepared for the hour that we're living in so that we can stand as the mighty army that you are raising up in this time. And so, Father, right now I thank you for the privilege of addressing the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And, Father, I ask that you would use me to speak your word the way you want. And Father, I thank you for your spirit that lives in each person who is yours. And the Holy Spirit will not only 
bring illumination, but he will cause it to be revelation, that as we receive the revelation of your word through the Spirit of God and apply it to our lives, we'd experience transformation. So, Lord, have your way and your will done in this place in each one of us. We thank you as your word goes forth, it's life and health and it brings healing. It's truth and it sets us free. Father, we thank you. We thank you today for transformation and going from glory to glory as you lead us and impart to us and empower us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So as, as I was looking and uh, just sitting and, and revisiting these scriptures, um, I was reminded of a story I had told, I had heard uh, from a man by the name of Tim, a true story, and it, it happened to him in 1984. He was living out in California, and he would have to go across the Golden Gate Bridge every so often, and when you go across the Golden Gate Bridge, you have to hit tolls, all right? Remember toll booths, because they aren't around anymore, but he would have to drive through these toll booths, and there were many of them, and... Uh, there was something that happened at a toll booth that radically changed him and his perspective on life. And, and it's kind of a strange place for that to happen. But he was driving up to the toll booth. There were a lot of people around. It was kind of a little past uh, rush hour. But he was driving up, and he had his window down because it was a nice day. He has just driven over the Golden Gate Bridge. He sees the San Francisco Bay. He sees San Francisco. He sees the hills. It's just beautiful. And as he's driving up, he's trying to figure out, like all of us try and do, which is going to be the quickest lane. And as he's doing that, he is noticing there's really loud music going on. Now, uh, we have all experienced where somebody next to us has their, you know, their stereo cranked in their car, but there was nobody next to him. And so he is moving closer and closer to the toll booths, and he is hearing this music louder and louder, and he wants to know where it's coming from because it's really loud. And he's scanning all the toll booths, and there were a number of them. I think there were 11 at that time. And as he's scanning the toll booths, he sees in one toll booth this guy that's just dancing. He's just dancing, and, and you know, he was, he, it, it piqued his interest, so he got into that lane. And as he got closer and closer, he noticed this guy dancing, and the music get, is getting louder, and he's got a big smile on his face, and he is having a ball. And so Tim gets up to the toll booth, and he hands the man, who's still dancing, the music's blaring, he's having a blast, uh, hands him his money. And so he's waiting to get his change, and he, he says to him, what's going on? And the guy says, I'm having a party. And, and he's like dumbfounded that this guy is dancing and having a blast, and uh, he's waiting for his change, and he says, well, why? Why are you having a party? He said, because I am just so thrilled. And all of a sudden, he gets his change back, and he says, but why? And the guy behind him starts, starts honking, so he has to go through. And this happens periodically he sees this guy in the toll booth and he gets over to the guy and is trying to ask him these questions. Finally, he gets enough time to talk to this guy and say, listen, I, I really want to hear the story behind this. And so they meet for lunch. And they're, they're sitting there at lunch and 
the guy says to him, he says to the guy, so now tell me your story. And the guy says, well, you know, when you drive up to the toll booth, what do you see? And he thought, that is a crazy question. I want to know about him, and he's talking about the toll booths. And, and Tim says, well, you know, I see toll booths. And he says, no, no imagination. What do you see? He said, I, I'm sorry, I see toll booths. Is, is, am I missing something? He said, absolutely. You know what they look like? They look like vertical caskets. Which took Tim back, and he was like, I'm not sure I want to be here. And, and so Tim said to the toll booth operator, he said, explain to me. And he said, well, every morning when I walk into mine, and I look at them walk into theirs, they're living people that walk into these vertical booths, and then they die. They stop living. They just exist. And then at 4.30, it's like Lazarus. Out walk living people again. And Tim said, yeah, but that doesn't explain you. He said, well, you don't understand. I made a choice. He said, what do you see I work in? He said, you work in one of those vertical coffins. He said, no. No imagination. He said, I have a corner office that has windows all around. I get to see the San Francisco Bay. I get to see the San Francisco skyline. I get to see the mountains on the other side. And I get to see people from all over the world that come to San Francisco. And he thought, well, that's definitely a different perspective, but it's true. It's his perspective. And he said, so that's why you dance? He said, that's part of the reason why I dance. He said, well, what's the rest of the reason? He said, well, you don't, you don't know. But my bosses are paying me to train. And he said, train? What are you talking about? He said, one day I'm going to be a dancer. And so they pay me eight hours a day to train to be a dancer. And, and I'm just having a party. He said, what about the rest of the people? He said, they're not invited. And at that moment, Tim understood something that we all need to understand. It's not about your environment. It's about your perspective. You need to see what other people don't see because you have the ability to. God can give you the ability to have a perspective that he has. And, and this man was enjoying every day when this job was grinding the life out of all the other people. Now, I don't know who this is for this morning, but I know it's for somebody. And, and understand that it may be, if you look at it, a very grinding, difficult thing. Or if you choose to look at it and God can give you the eyes to see, that you can celebrate, you can enjoy, you can be filled with peace and joy and hope no matter what your condition is. And as I, as I, I re was reminded of this and then reminded of what God was, was really causing me to go back and look at, I realized this is what happened with Ezekiel. 
We had read a couple of weeks ago that in verse 11 that Israel, the, the, this was the valley of dry bones, and, and God took Ezekiel out to this valley and showed him this valley that was full. The whole floor of the valley was filled, scattered all over with bones, and the bones were very dry, which indicated there was no life. It was very confused and disjointed and, and uh, disconnected, and God said to him, this is the house of Israel. These bones are the house of Israel. And Israel were just like the people sitting in all those other toll booths that were, they had no hope, they had no peace, they had no joy. They really didn't have life. They existed. They survived the eight hours that they were in the toll booth, but this guy thrived. And in the midst of Israel, God was looking like he always does. He looks over all the earth for someone whose heart is fully turned, the scripture says, to him that he might show himself strong on their behalf. Now, I don't know about you, but I want him to show himself strong on my behalf. But I don't want to have him overlook me. I want to catch his eye. And just like this toll booth operator that was having a party in his toll booth caught this Tim's eye, Ezekiel caught God's eye. Because Ezekiel wasn't hopeless. Because if he had been, he would have just brushed off God. Just like Israel had. They said, we have no hope. Our nation is in ruins. And so God began to speak to Ezekiel. And, and when he took him out there and, and had him look all over the, the dry bones, he asked him the question. And we, we read this question. We kind of looked at it and considered it. And he said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel's answer was, O sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. And at that moment, when I, I went over that scripture again, something began to be revealed to me. But I'm not going to tell you yet. Because we're going to have to get a little bit of a uh, more of a perspective. And so in, in Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse 7, because Ezekiel tells God, <clears throat> only you know. You alone know the answer to that. And then God tells him to speak to the bones. And he tells him, I'm going to bring life, breath into the bones. I'm going to put the bones together, I'm going to put sinews on the bones, I'm going to put flesh on the bones, I'm going to put skin on the bones, and I'm going to bring breath back into the bones. And at that point, we pick this up in verse 7, and, and immediately, now God's, God's shown him all this. This is a moment in time where Ezekiel is, is attentive to God, he is dependent on God, he's expectant of God. And in that moment, I think... If you and I were there, we might be challenged when God says prophesy to these bones. Because when I put myself in these positions, because that's what I do. When I read the scriptures, I don't read this is what Ezekiel did. I read, if I was Ezekiel and I was in that situation, I wish I would have the wisdom to answer God's question, Oh, sovereign Lord, only you know the answer to that. Because that was a, just an amazing answer. 
He didn't commit himself except to, God, you know. And then God was telling him what to do. And then when God said, all right, now prophesy, I, I would have hesitated. I think because, you know, my brain would want to say, why are you wasting your time? But Ezekiel didn't. There's something about Ezekiel that was different than every other person in the nation of Israel. And so God tells him to prophesy and it says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And when I read that again, that just blew up inside me along with verse 3 where he answered God and he said, Oh, sovereign Lord, only you know the answer to that. And God made me very aware why Ezekiel was picked out and why he was different. And God could use him over everybody else. How many of you want to be used by God? Man, I believe every one of us desire, deeply crave God using us in a way that's life-giving. And we know, because we've already read some of this, that God was using Ezekiel in a life-giving way, but in a way that was absolutely unfamiliar to him. Had he ever done this before? No. There are things God's going to ask us to do that we've never done before, but he has. And if we are going to be the ones in the lead, instead of letting God be in the lead, then we're going to balk at it. We're gonna, our little brains are going to kick in. Now, I'm not, I'm not being ugly to you. But when I talk about our little brains, when we compare our ability to have wisdom and understanding to God, all of our little brains together are still not anything near his. But our little brains trying to comprehend and figure out and understand how things work it's not going to happen. The Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with your whole heart, lean not to your own understanding. In Proverbs chapter 3, in all your ways, turn to him, acknowledge him, follow him, and he'll direct your steps. God can't lead if we won't follow. But for us to let God lead, we have to believe he's smarter than us. He's stronger than us. He has more ability and resources than we do. And you know, when we're sitting right here, if I said, is God stronger than you? All of our hands would go up. Yes, God's stronger than us. Is God smarter than you? All of us would say, yes, God's smarter than me. Is God more capable of doing things? Yes, God's more capable of doing things. But when it comes down to the situation at hand, and all of a sudden we're facing something we start to take the weight on, like, I got to figure this out. I got to work this out. I got to gut this out. Whatever it is, it's all on us instead of on God where it should be. And we tend not to follow God because we're going to go our own way. But the Bible tells us we as sheep have all gone our own way. We've gone astray. And that's what our nature is until we get this new nature of the Spirit of God living in us where we can access him and begin to be Absolutely different kind of people. And Ezekiel in that moment, he, he prophesied as he was commanded. Now, what became very, very clear to me is 
Ezekiel was truly in awe of God. He was aware that God was bigger than him, God was smarter than him, God was more able than him. And when God said something, he just obeyed. Because right here, God told him what he was going to do and what he needed to say and how he was going to do it. And then God told him to prophesy. So I prophesied as I was what? Commanded. When was the last time somebody commanded you to do something? Just think about it. Or gave you an order. Or came across as, this is what you need to do. You don't have an option. What happens internally in us when somebody gives us an order? Because we're all the same. Man, we bristle. You aren't the boss of me. Who are you to tell me? I can think for myself. I can do for myself. You're not the only one with a brain here. But even though that's our human nature, there are people that operate under that type of relationship for years upon years upon years of their life. And the best example of that is the military. And in the military, people are given orders. They're not given suggestions. A commanding officer doesn't come up and say, hey, if you guys have time, I'd really like you to uh, do this. He comes up and he gives an order. Now guess what he doesn't give all the time? The reason why doesn't give the leisure to do it when you want to. There's an order given. And because the military is the military, there is something that is, is very unique to the military that has been lost in our society. And that's honor and respect. Reverence. And so when I read this in verse 7 and re was reminded of verse 3 and how Ezekiel just looked to God and said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. And then when God told him to prophesy, he prophesied. He didn't say, well, can you explain why? You know, how long is this going to take of my time? What am I going to be responsible for here? He said, I prophesied as I was commanded. What God made me very aware of is something that is very lacking in, in the world, but even in the church, and to some degree in all of our lives. It's true in my life. And that is the fear of the Lord. Now, I, I want you to understand that I, I have been getting this for, for a while, but I didn't understand it. And when this finally came out, I was like, oh, God. Have you ever had that moment where, you know, you, you know something's going on. God's trying to get your attention, God, redirect you. And in that moment, it was like, oh, yeah, sorry. It's taken so long for me to recognize this. But the fear of the Lord. And when, when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it is... It is not terror, but it is real respect, real reverence. It's an awareness of the awesomeness 
of God. You know, God, God is so far above us, and yet he is so close to us. It's, it's, it's just amazing that this being that is so perfect and so holy and so powerful and so wise and so loving and so merciful is also so just and, and demands justice. Because everyone is going to be judged. But God's not looking to condemn. God's looking to reward. But if we don't realign, there's a loss. And so in, in this, we look at this fear, this fear of the Lord. And we realize. That our lives, I realized at that moment, my life was not like Ezekiel's life. Now our lives can be. Remember, the Lord's looking across all the earth, the scripture says, for hearts that are fully turned towards him, that he can show himself strong on their behalf. So he's going after the ones that are fully turned towards him because that's where he can work. Like Ezekiel, he was fully turned towards God. He was fully willing to do what God said and listen to what God was saying and obey what God was saying. And so, before we go any further, there has to be a foundation. Ezekiel had that foundation, but if we just read over this, we're not going to recognize it and the need for it in our lives to see the things that are dead. Just like Ezekiel saw the dead bones of the house of Israel. And because he was operating in the fear of the Lord, not the terror, but the awe, the honor, the respect of God, when God says something, he did it. And we're going to see when he did what God said, immediately something happened. And yet, do we fear the Lord? Do we fear the Lord like Ezekiel feared the Lord? Are we willing to hear whatever God has to say, or do we listen to him selectively? And then when we hear what he says, do we consider it whether we'll obey it? And you may say, well, that's, that's kind of dumb, but I'm telling you right now, this is a big issue. It's a big issue in all of our lives. It's a big, big, big issue in the church. Because many times we find ourselves being the one that makes the decision on whether we're going to do what God wants us to or not. And I'm telling you right now, that reeks of having lost the fear of the Lord. Jesus addressed it with his disciples. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46 Jesus, Jesus had all these people around him, and he says this to his disciples and to the people around him. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Now, we're living in a society, in a time, in a world, in a time where people have heard what the Lord says, and they've chosen to disagree. I want you to know that is a lack of fear of the Lord. That's... that's where we as human beings have upped our status. We hear what God's word says, 
but we have upped ourselves to being equal or better than God because we know better than God. So we're not going to do that because that's an old book that's old-fashioned. No, I want you to know it's not just old and old-fashioned. It's eternal. It is eternal. And you and I can say, hey, you know what? I don't agree. You know, I'm more modern than that. I'm more progressive than that. I'm more knowledgeable than that. But the Bible tells us, if you read your Bible, that there is a time that people, having known God, didn't listen to God and became fools without even knowing it. And I'm telling you, when I look around at the world today, the things that are being said, the things that are being done are, are foolish. But they're not just foolish. They are They take my breath away. I don't understand. I don't understand how people can say what they say. I'm, I'm not talking about the world. They don't know any better. I'm talking about Christians. And so Jesus, Jesus says to them, why do you call me? And, and it's interesting because in the original translation, it does have Lord, Lord. And the reason why in Hebrew and in Greek, when they do a, a repeat of a word, it's for emphasis. Emphasis. It means these people didn't just say, oh, Jesus is Lord. But these were people that in some way, shape, or form looked at him and recognized to a degree that he really is God. He is Lord. But even though they recognized him as that, they didn't follow him. They didn't obey him. Now... I'm going to ask you to close your eyes because I don't want you to consider anybody else but you. And I have been doing this this week. I've had to take breaks where I just stop and say, God, I don't want to be deceived and I don't want to be foolish and I don't want to be arrogant. But God, what is it? What is it that I'm saying? You're my Lord, but I'm just, I'm listening but I'm not hearing. I, I, I'm not taking it in and adjusting my life to it. And I became very aware this week, not in a destructive way, but in a way that was really used to break me, that I was doing more of this than I ever had any idea of. And it broke my heart. Now you can open your eyes. But I think if you'll be honest with you, there are areas that we're doing the same thing. We call him Lord, but we're not following his lordship. We're not following what he's saying, what his word has said. There's a lot of things we know that we're, we're just not following. The fear of the Lord. It's, it's being in awe, respecting and honoring his holiness, his authority, his power, his majesty, his glory, his justice, his wisdom, his knowledge, his ability, his mercy, and his love. The fear of the Lord. Because when we fear the Lord, our lives really shift. Now, these are not going to be up here, so... 
You, you just need to listen to this and take it in or, you know, get, get online and watch the service uh, later. But in Psalm 110, verse 10, the Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How many of us have said, God, I need wisdom? I want you to understand where it begins is the fear of the Lord. When we say, all right, God, I'm in awe of you. I'm so in awe of you. I so honor you. I I so respect you. I trust you and I'll obey you. Because when we fear God, we trust him. When we recognize how awesome God is, I'm telling you, we are all looking for somebody to trust, aren't we? Come on. Man, I am. I, I, I found out I can't really trust me because I don't make the best decisions on my own, so I've got to trust somebody else. And I've trusted a lot of people, and people have tried to do good, but there's nobody that does good all the time except for God. And so when, when I come to that awareness that I want to seek out the best counsel, I want to get the best guidance, I want to get the best wisdom, the best understanding, I need the best resources and the best power and support, i got to go one place, and that's to God. And so when I recognize that, all of a sudden, I begin to be aware there's no one I can trust like God. But because we don't know who God is and we don't, we don't stand in awe of God, we don't have the reverential fear and honor of God, we're going to look for another source. And so when we, we have the fear of the Lord, we, we trust Him. When we honor him, we trust him, and then when we trust something, we obey it. The reason why we're not obeying God is because we don't trust God. The reason why we don't trust God is because we don't fear God. This is not rocket science. This is real simple. And Psalm 111, verse 10 says... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the entrance to the wisdom that you need. You know, that's, that's so important for us to recognize. Now, I'm going to give you some other scriptures. You can write them down or you can get them later on, online. Uh, Psalm 112, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. All of us want to be blessed, but the way it happens, you and I have to initiate the blessing by fearing God, having a reverential respect, awe, honor, and that moves into the realm of trust, and then we obey, and the blessing comes because we're obedient to God. You can't get the blessing without God. Then Proverbs 19, verse 23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. So if the fear of the Lord leads to life, then not fearing God leads where? Yeah, it's it's not to life. And the only other thing, if you're not going towards life, you're moving towards death. I don't want death. Do you want death? Have we all had enough of death working in our lives? Because Jesus came to give us what? Life and life more abundant, and yet we're not experiencing that. But we're going to have difficulties, but in those difficulties, we're going to have triumphs. And when we fear God in the midst of the difficulty, we don't get our eyes on the difficulty. We don't get our eyes looking around, where's that exit? Listen, that's what we naturally do, don't we? If something happened in here, what would you look for first? 
Somebody yells fire. Yeah. You're going to look for an exit. And then without even thinking, you're going to move towards it because you trust that that's going to be the way out. But I have to tell you, there are so many things that, that promise us they'll bring us through or they'll give us what we need. And they don't. But there's one that has always promised that he will bring us through. And that is the Lord. He is the one. But if we don't have enough trust in him, if you didn't have a trust in that exit, what would you do? You'd find another exit. And because we don't have enough fear of the Lord, enough reverence, enough awe, enough honor, enough respect of God, enough awareness that God is so far beyond us and we can't get anything better than him. See, that was what the first sin was about. We think there's something better besides God and look what it did. And it still does. It robs us. And so if we don't trust that exit, we're going to find another, another lit panel that says exit that we are going to say, maybe that one. Well, there's one that we can always turn to that is always there to bring us through, and that's the Lord. But we have to, we have to make that decision before we need whatever it is we need. Because if not, we're going we're gonna to scramble around. So the fear of the Lord is life. Proverbs 14, verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Just like Jesus came not to just give us life, but life more abundant. And that verse goes on to say, And turns one away from the snares of death. Isn't that what we need? Don't we need a fountain of life and taught to navigate how we get around life without getting tripped up by the snares of death? Come on. I'm telling you, I was so excited about this. I thought, God, I, I needed to hear this. I don't know, maybe this is all for me. <laughs> but but I, I was like, God, I know. I know this is, this is critical to my life. I've been, I've been knowing God and walking with God for years and years and years. And I know about the fear of the Lord. But how many of you know there are things you know that you let slip? Man, this is one of those things I let slip. It just kind of slid to the back. And because of that, I was missing the path and the way that God had for me to go. And I was blaming him because things weren't happening the way I thought they ought to and the way I thought he said. But I was leaving out the foundation. What happens when you build a house without a foundation? We'll find out. Then in Psalm 34, verse 9, those who fear him. This is a promise from God's word. Can you count on the promises of God's word? Yes. Those who fear him will have no lack. Oof. I don't have enough time for us to just sit and say, Lon, think about this and think, you know, I really do need that. So if I really need what that is saying will provide for me, I need to be more aware of my being in reverential awe of God. Not saying he's one among a bunch of resources. He is the only resource. Oh, Pastor, you're just too fanatical. I am not. Ezekiel was this way. Do you know that our Lord was this way? I always do those things that please him. I 
only do what he shows me. I have come not to be served, but to serve. He had a reverential awe of his father that he was always in communion, being directed to do what his father's will, will was. I haven't come to do my own will. I've come to do the will of my father. He embodied the fear of God. And was Jesus terrified of his father? Absolutely not. You don't have to be terrified, but there has to be an awe and a respect that comes back to our lives that we realize that there is no one better, there's no one bigger, and there is nothing to compare to him. And so, God, it's amazing that you listen to me. It's amazing that you care about me. And I'm just so grateful that Almighty God Almighty God is just waiting for me to spend time with him. He's 21 days of prayer. I don't know about you, but it's been something I needed. Now, I pray. I pray a lot. But I'm telling you, these 21 days of prayer have really done something in me. And I know I have to continue. And I'm going to. Because I can't afford to become lukewarm. I can't afford to be distracted. I can't afford, not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a follower of Christ. I don't want to get off track. Not because he's going to be mad at me. He's going to love me and it's going to hurt his heart. But if I get off track, man, there's a price I'm going to pay. And if I pay it, my wife pays it, my kids pay it, my friends pay it, my church pays it. And that's not just true of me, it's true of all of us. There are people that pay a price when we get off track. And there are people that benefit when we stay on track. Psalm 33 verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants stand in awe of him. You know, there was a song we used to sing, I stand in awe of you. What happened to that song? Because it's still... Still important. You know, I, I, I don't know why it's happened, but it's happened. And I, I tend to look at it as God incidences. But I, I've been very aware that there are some of these old songs that just keep coming back to me. In my time of being alone with God. I love you, Lord. And I live. My voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. And then it goes on, I exalt you. I exalt you. But how often do we, do we think about God, I want to bless you. I want to exalt you. You know, we have a lot of songs, and a lot of songs are really good, but how much are we really focused on Him? Because, can I tell you, praise and worship? 
Praise and worship is for one. One. It's not for us. It's for God. It's all about Him. It's when praise and worship helps us to drop things that have been holding on to us and weighing us down and refocus and be able to give all our attention, all our praise, all our worship, all our honor and become in awe of God again. In that verse, Luke 46 through 49, it goes on to say, when Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? It goes on to say, whoever comes, and Jesus was saying this, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and doesn't do them, I will show him who he's like. He's like a man building a house. Oh, who does them. Like a man who builds a house, who dug deep and laid a foundation on rock. And when the flood arose and the streams beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation, against which when the streams beat vehemently and immediately, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. See, when we, when we fear the Lord, when we have reverential honor and awe of God, we listen to obey. We listen to obey. We don't listen for what we want to hear. That's deadly. We listen to obey, and then when we hear, we become obedient, just like Ezekiel. Again, back in chapter 37, verse 7 and 8, it says, as I prophesied, I, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. As he was in reverential awe of God, and God told him what to do, and he began to do what God told him immediately, there was a noise. Something began to happen. Do you know when you are obedient to God, things begin to change? Immediately. Immediately change starts. You may not always be aware of it, but it's still started. Because God's word can't go forth. When we speak, inspired of God, speak the word of God, things have to change. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away before God's word passes away. And when we're speaking directed by God, these are words of life. And so it says... There was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, sinews and, and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So what happened? Everything God said was going to happen, happened, and it looked, and it was, to appearance, complete. And sometimes we, we just go by appearance. And we know the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight, but we do a lot of sight walking. And that's where if, if we had been there, we might have said, well, hey, we're done here. Let's go. But it says there was no breath. No breath. That word breath I shared with you a couple of weeks ago is, is the word that's used for the Spirit of God. 
It's used for breath. It's used for wind. But it's also used for the Spirit of God. There was no spirit. Remember God made man and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul? Remember when Jesus found the disciples and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, he was obedient to God. God went through the process of what he said he'd do, but there was still more. There are times where we think it's all done. But that's where the fear of the Lord will keep us where we need to be. Attentive and expectant that it's, it's not done, it's not incomplete, but God, you still have more you're going to do and I'm going to be right where I need to be doing what you have for me to do so I can be what you have for me to be and do what you have for me to do and see your life come bursting through. How many of us here today, we want to see the life of God burst through in areas of our lives, in our families, in our finances, in our bodies, in our health, in all sorts of ways. We need that, but we need to start with the fear of the Lord. And when we have the fear of the Lord, we are going to be in awe of Him. We're going to reverence Him. We're going to honor Him. We're going to respect Him. We're going to trust Him. Then we're going to obey Him. Dr. Cho as the biggest church gathering of believers in the world. And when he was asked, what's the secret? How has this happened? He said this, I pray and I obey. And they were like, no, no, come on, what's the system? I pray and I obey. I'm telling you right now, if you and I will institute that with the fear of the Lord, we pray whatever God tells us, we do. We don't ask why, we don't ask how, we just do what he tells us to do. Because God will always give us what we need to take the next step. He won't tell us where the end is always, but he'll give us what we can do in faith to follow him. And he'll keep us following him if we'll keep following. Right here we see, we see that, that this was done. And then in verse 9, and we're going to end here, and we're not going to get into this very much. Then God also said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So there was another part that God had for him to do, but for appearance sake, it looked like everything was finished. But he didn't leave. He knew he had to be completely obedient to God. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. It's important. It, it is so important that you are aware today of what it is. What is it that God's highlighting to you? What is it that God's impressing to you that he's affirming, keep doing it, keep doing it? Or he's saying, make this adjustment. Or he's saying, you know, that's got to go. Because every time we hear the Word of God, there's something that He's trying to make us aware of to make an adjustment. Either be more tenacious and continue doing what He has had us do, or make this little change here or change there, or absolutely get rid of those things because those are hindering you. And usually it's all of those. But right now, just pause. 
and become aware of what it is. And be serious. When you, you have the fear of the Lord, you have a reverence, you have an honor, you have an awe. Man, the Bible says we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of this mouth. If he's speaking something to you, man, that's, that's, that's life. That's liberating. That's empowering. It's imparting things to us. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you may say, well, I'm not hearing anything. First of all, I would ask, do you have a relationship with the Lord? Have you come to the place where you have turned to God and trusted in the gift that he gave of his son who died to pay the price for your sins and received him as your Lord? Because he's not going to force anything on you. And so if you're here today and you have never, never trusted in the Lord, never Never received Jesus as Lord of your life. Today, we're going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to do it. But before we do, for those of you that have, if you're not clear what's going on, the thing you got to check is, are you willing to hear whatever he has to say? Because if you're not, there's not a fear of the Lord, and he's not going to put you in a place of rebellion. So until we take all the barriers down and all the stay off this area, God, signs in our life, then we're, we're really restricting and hindering him. And until he is Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do, or you're not willing to do what I say? Now, if you've never, never received the Lord, I, I, I just want to pray with you. If that's you, if you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you just want to raise your hand and say, that's me today, I want a new life. I want a new beginning. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who freely came from heaven into the earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for me, Today, Lord Jesus, I admit I've sinned. I come to you as my Savior. Cleanse me. Create me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Thank you for cleansing me and being Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let somebody know here before you leave. Uh, we want to be praying for you. You have a brand new life that you're beginning, and it is awesome. Recognize, I didn't say it was easy, but it is awesome. Amen? Um, I, I have one announcement that I want to share with you before you leave. Um, as we were saying, that you know, the fear of the Lord is just being in awe of God, desiring to have God have his way in your life. And uh, I want to share with you that, that we should all be just available to God to, for whatever he wants for us, however he wants to use us, whatever he wants to do with us. And, and today I am here to announce that, that uh, Pastor Gabe and Judy, who fear the Lord, they are in awe of God, they love God, they honor God, they respect God, they seek God. They've been seeking God for, for a number of, of months, uh, and they've been aware for 
more than that, that, that there are seasons. And the, it, it, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, there is a season for everything and a time for everything under heaven. And they are very aware that the season and the time for them as they honor God and they, they fear the Lord is changing. And that God has for them to continue to, to fulfill what he has for them, uh, a change in location. And they will in the next few months be moving to Florida. Now, that is, it's, it's one of those, oh, because we love them. And we'll always love them. And no matter where you go, you're always claimed. We have you here in our hearts. But uh, it, it <clears throat> we should be excited for them because God takes us from glory to glory. And this is just another part of God's plan for their lives and the glory for them, but also the glory for you and me. Um, things don't have to change when location changes. We can keep the friends and the relationships. And so uh, just be praying for them. Realize that you will now have a place in Florida to go. <laughs> Pastor Gabe's going to talk to me after the service. Um, but, but rejoice with them and, and be praying for them. Um, realize that in a few months they're going to be heading that way and we'll all be jealous because they're going to be in warmth and sunshine and I, I agree. Uh, but anyways, um, you know, take the time you have to really enjoy them and, and connect with them before they go. But one thing I would ask is that when we dismiss today, please uh, allow the people that are coming in for the second service to be able to enjoy praise and worship and receive the word before they know about this. If, if you tell them, it may hinder them from being able to receive what God has and give what God has. So just like you've had this opportunity, uh, please let them have it. You can share with anybody you want to after, after you get out of here. Um, but let's stand. And just know that they're not going to sneak out. We are going to have some amazing times before they go. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. Father, thank you for your plan your provision for each one of us. Father, we want to walk in it. We know that the best is to follow you, to fear you, to honor you, to reverence you, to, to respect you and to trust you and to obey you. Father, thank you for Pastor Gabe and Judy's fear of you, their, their honor, their respect, their trust, their obedience, even now as, as they're continuing to go, led by your spirit, to fulfill your will and your mission in the earth. Lord, we all want to do that this week. So we thank you. We look to you. We listen for you. And we listen to obey. We don't listen to consider. We listen to obey. We want to be like Ezekiel. We want to be like you, Lord, who did everything your father wanted. Everything he said. You came to do his will. And we are here to do the same. So we thank you, Father, for this. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. have a great week.